1: 630 Chad inside sports with Reed Wilkins weekdays at six on 630 Chad. When the game is over, the fun begins. Interviews, highlights, analysis, and your opinion. This is overtime open line brought to you by the Canadian brew house. Now from the Terry Perrani's team broadcast center, Reed Wilkins, Wilkins on on Oilers radio, 630 Chad. Looking for O'Reilly. Feathers it across to him. Gets it back. One-timer. Score! Bar down for Rasmus
0: Ristelainen in his first goal all season long. Wins the game for Buffalo 4-3 in overtime
2: bullet shot by Rasmus Ristolainen. Sabres beat the Oilers 4-3 in overtime, a game where the Oilers started poorly and then finished very poorly. They allowed Buffalo to tie the game in the last minute. A few seconds after that, Adam Larson took a penalty. The power play obviously continues into overtime, and Buffalo gets the power play goal for the win. The Oilers have had three straight overtime games. They've won one, lost two. They're now 14-10-4 and four on the season. Thanks for tuning in. It's eight twelve. Canadian Canadian House Overtime Open Line from the Terry Perandish Team Broadcast Centre. Along with Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins. You can get us at 780-496-0063. You can text 630-630. Well, Rob, a lot to talk about tonight. Some good moments from the Oilers and some really bad moments for the Oilers. And let's talk about the sequence that led to the tying goal. I mean, you and I saw the timeout. We were wondering who was going to be on the ice, and we both kind of said, oh, okay. Maybe wouldn't have been our choice to have Hendricks out there, but he was out there, and the shot that led to the tying goal came from his wing.
3: Well, the the timeout f- was the first thing that we were looking at, uh, the fact that Dan Bilesman, and the Buffalo Sabers could not call a timeout. They should have been the tired, uh, the tired group. They played last night. Uh, they have a short bench with a number of injuries. Um, the Oilers, I, I, it was a late timeout, and that's what really, I'm like, okay, why is it so, I mean, it wasn't called right away. They were all lined up and almost getting ready to drop the puck when all of a sudden the Oilers called timeout. I don't know if they, there was something they saw they didn't like, so they called the timeout, and I'm fine with that. You know what, it, it, it's not the 30 seconds isn't going to all of a sudden make the Buffalo Sabres that much more energized. But when we saw the players going out, to me, it was an automatic. Letestu and dry Settle have to go out. Mm-hmm. They're your two best your two best centermen, especially Letestu on the right side. That's his normal way, and then let dry Settle's the next best. No one's even close. You need two centermen on the ice. My my choice would have been Connor McDavid. Simply, he's the best in the world. <laughs> and what he has that sets him apart are things that you could use right there. He's got speed. He's got gainsmanship. He can see the game. He can anticipate the game. And having him out there, it, it it forces players to play a little differently. And it, it's, it's unfortunate that the puck went over to Hendricks' side. Now, I don't know if someone was supposed to swing out and take O'Reilly, but I can tell you any player in the National Hockey League with that much time and space is going to make a good play. When it is a very, very good player, as O'Reilly is, Well, now you're allowing him to walk in and absolutely blast the goal. Talbot has no chance on that. Hits the post and then just turns into bad luck on Chris Russell. So probably wouldn't have been my choice as the player on the ice. Uh, Hendricks does a lot of good things. But when you have a McDavid and it's between the two of them, I'm probably going to pick McDavid.
2: Yeah, and the lineup decision, uh, the deployment at the end of the game, our adjustment of the game for Alberta's chiropractors. Life is the roughest game of all. Feel better, move better, live better with help from your chiropractor. Visit albertachiro.com. Sabres take it 4-3. They had a 2-0 lead after the first period. The Oilers rallied with two in the second, a dry sidle goal in the third. And they and they looked like they were doing everything right with a one-goal lead until Buffalo got the goalie out.
3: Well, that's why I know that Bob talked about it, and you mentioned you know they started poorly and ended poorly. The others actually played a really good third period. And as Bob said, they had a stretch where they were what, 15-1 or 16-1 and where the shots over a long stretch. Buffalo was getting nothing. And at no point did it even look like they had an opportunity to tie the game in just one bad break. Uh, possibly, a, you know, the wrong guy on the ice. I don't know, but a bad break, the pucks, in the that. So everything that you Oilers did from the start of the second period on, the shots were 32 to 14 after the first period in the second and third for in, in favor of the Oilers. And, and so that there, and then the, the big one though is the, how they lost the extra point is a, a player got beat to a puck. Larson got beat on an icing, or could have been an icing, and grabs grabs a sweater. You can't do that. Now, all of a sudden, a 4-3 and three in overtime, we see it so often. You get a power play in overtime, the game's over, and unfortunately, the Oilers, it was.
2: seven eight zero 496 63 will welcome Mike to the show. Hi, Mike.
4: Hey, how's it going? Good. Good. A little disappointing tonight with uh, Sabres tying up that game at the end. But uh, I kind of feel bad for Hendricks, too. And I thought McClellan, I thought he called a timeout to put McDavid out there. Is that what you guys kind of
2: saw? Well, we also, were wondering were about that. Yeah, up? yeah. If he, who he was going to come out with. I mean, here's the thing about Hendricks, Mike. You know, he would throw his face in front of a shot to block it. Um, but I mean, he's he's clearly lost a step at this point in his career. So, if you want a guy who's a fearless shot blocker out there as a forward in the last minute, I guess you'd put Hendricks. If you wanted a guy who could r- win a race to the puck then like Rob said, you'd put out McDavid or put Pitlick out there to pressure his point man or whoever, you know. But he he decided to show some faith in, in Hendricks there, who's who's been in that situation a lot in his career, but tonight he wasn't able to get there quick enough.
4: No, absolutely. I totally agree on that. I just, you know, I still feel bad for Hendricks too as well. I know he's kind of willing to, you know, like you said, put his face out there in front of a puck. But I've got another question for you, though. Sure, And uh, I kind of want to know why, you know, I'm kind of a huge McDavid fan, as we all are, but how come McDavid's not playing two minutes on the power play? Well, Like Doug, Doug Waite did it here, Crosby's doing it in Pittsburgh, Gretzky was doing it when he was here.
3: Well, I, I, probably for a few years. I mean, right now, Connor McDavid is, of all forwards in the National Hockey League, he's in, for, what is he, in the top two or three for ice time? So, I mean, it's, he's not getting shortchanged on ice time. And they do have a, a pretty good second power play unit. So the guy that takes him off is Ryan Nugent Hopkins. So that's where his, the, the extra 45 seconds or so of the power play he doesn't get is going to the Nugent. Now, if, if we're late in a hockey game and the Oilers need a goal, then I would think that Connor McDavid would stay out for the entire two minutes. But, I mean, I don't think Connor right now needs more ice time. He's, he's, okay. he's getting over 21 minutes a night right now. So ice time is not a problem for him. And if you start putting him out for the whole power plays, that's an extra three, four minutes a night. Well, now you're going to kill him, and you're going to just be too tired by the end of the game.
2: I think that's a great question, though, Mike, because other people have brought that up. And you wonder if maybe deeper into his career, he, he does get out there for the two minutes, or as Rob mentioned, it depends on the game situation.
3: Yeah, but that, it's a different game now than it was. If You don't see Crosby playing full two minutes you don't see Patrick Kane, Jonathan Taves. all those teams have two power plays. It's situational. There's times where you can extend their minutes on a power play. But the players nowadays, they're not playing the full 2 minutes. They 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 they're, you have to have two units that are able to go and the others do. I mean, their, their second unit has been pretty good as of late.
2: Mike, thanks for calling. Yeah, right on, boys. Thanks. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Buffalo 4, Edmonton 3 in overtime tonight. Three goals for the Oilers means a $75 donation courtesy of Booster Juice, an oasis of freshness in a fast-paced world, going to the Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation. Over $2,000 for the year now. You can follow the total on the Oilers page on 630Ched.com. Alright, we have Alex on line one. Hey, Alex, go ahead.
5: Thanks for having me on. Yep. Well, geez, where do I start with frustration here? I mean, Bob Stoffer, you could tell he was just holding it in because You know, he wanted to explode on the air, eh? but, you know, that's his job, and he had to keep it together. But I'm telling you, the remote control flew a few times, and I got friends here who who let the you-know-what bombs out, and it was gross, I mean, to have a meltdown like that. And, yes, I put it on McClellan, because you know what? The expectations have gone up for this club big time, and you guys are the closest to this club, you know? A guy like me, a fan, we see the capabilities of this club now. We know that this club could really play hockey if they just put their mind to it for 60 minutes. To not show up until the halfway mark against the slowest team in the national hockey, like Buffalo, like it was terrible. And when they finally get going, and then you know what? I watched Hendricks' last four shifts. And I'm going, oh wow, this guy—he's played four games this year, and he's definitely lost a step. And then you put him on a five-on-six situation, and they're all playing defensive in their own end. or not—you know, when 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 you're up by a goal, you play aggressive and you play mean and nasty and you go for it. They're playing defensive. I am mad, man. This is like the seventh or eighth game they've blown this year.
3: Okay, now a couple things: one, a horrible start to the game. That's you're absolutely right there. Two. Buffalo's not a bad hockey club. Buffalo went in last night and lost in overtime in Washington. And Washington's one of the elite teams in the league. Buffalo is good. Um, As far as for a meltdown at the end of the game, the Oilers... Can, like you say, they sat in a shell. The shots were sixteen to one. Buffalo wasn't getting out of their own zone.
5: No, I'm talking about the five on six at the end. Like I've seen that same show from the Oilers before, when when they're up by a goal or trying to protect something, you know, instead of playing aggressive hockey, it's
3: five on six. Yeah, but you're not you know? gonna you're not gonna be aggressive there. You What's can only be Hendrick? so. They have an, they have an not, extra player. Now, I understand Hendrick. not having Hendrick, not having Hendricks on the ice. I understand that. I'm
5: sorry I've raising my voice here, nope. but you wanna know okay. something. Else? I guess after Pittsburgh and New York and the Arizona games and and, and, and uh, Minnesota's and you know, the expectations have gone up huge because this team is capable of playing really damn good hockey and I'm sick of it and I'm sick of Pugliot. I have no allegiance to Pugliot or Hendricks or any of these guys who shouldn't be on this club.
2: Well Pugliot didn't play tonight, Alex. I know
5: he's not, but what are the what's McClellan gonna do? Put him back in there? Because he's got loyalty, this $4 million waste of skin? I don't he think... Another three years
3: of this guy? It's a yeah, joke. Well, okay, this one's not on McClellan when it comes to Pouliot. I mean, Pou- I mean, he's sitting him out. And that, I mean, that, that's gutsy right there. You got a guy that's been signed. He's got, he's got two and a half years left. What they do with Pouliot going forward, I don't know what they can do. He's got two and a half years left at $4 million a year. So I, this is this is a tough situation. Now this isn't on McClellan. This isn't on Peter Shirelli. But there's pressure on the two of them because they've got a lot of money sitting in the press box doing nothing right now.
2: You know, thanks for calling, Alex. I, I think he raises a really good point though about the start of the game. Mm-hmm. I mean, th- this is you know this is a team that is is stronger than it has been in years past. But to me, that's the one problem. I mean, I know he referenced late goals against Pittsburgh and the Rangers too. Fair enough. But that's to me, that's been the one problem that's lingered for the Oilers is bad starts or poor first periods mm-hmm. where they don't really establish anything. And look, sometimes the other team's going to score first. The other team's going to make good plays. But you have a period like tonight where... You, you're down two nothing, not just one nothing. That's way harder. And you only get five shots on goal, and they weren't—they weren't moving their feet. They weren't trying to dictate anything.
3: No, they, they lost every battle. They lost every race. They were clearly the second best team in the first period. And there's. Buffalo is not as bad as as people had thought and people talk about but they are beat up right now and they've got three kids in the lineup playing defense. They got one guy who's a career minor leaguer who's getting his first chance ever playing in the NHL after 4 or 500 games in the minors. They got a kid out of junior. Those are the players they should have taken advantage of. They should have uh, they didn't they didn't use the, the what their their strengths are. The the others are a big strong fast team. Get the pucks in the corners. They started abusing these young defensemen that, that are not used to playing back-to-back games in the National Hockey League. They started doing that once they got down 2 nothing, And the Oilers, are, I mean, there was a play earlier, I can't remember when it was, I think it was in the third period, where they hit a post and the Oilers came back and ended up scoring on a power play right afterwards. I mean, Buffalo actually could have salted this game away before. And the Oilers just, when you fall behind 2 nothing because you have a lackluster start, you're asking for trouble, and obviously they did because the Oilers lost a point. That, uh, we're, and it's, it's funny we're talking about it now because normally in losing a point in December, who cares, because the Oilers are not close to the playoffs anyways. But the Oilers are in the mix. and games like this, 22 seconds or 25 seconds left in a hockey game, that point now, that could be the difference between a playoff spot and not come April.
2: Well, and here's something that's frustrating. Arizona, second last in the Western Conference. The Oilers are 0-1-1 against them. You have uh, Toronto third last in the Eastern Conference. The Oilers are o one and one against them. Buffalo fourth last in the Eastern Conference. The Oilers are o
3: one and one against them. So I mean, there's, I mean, there's, those are teams that the the teams that are in you the need playoffs to get are more beat. Points yeah. they're getting beat regularly, and you've got to be one of the teams that beats them regularly too.
2: Four three Buffalo wins in overtime. We have Steve online too. Hi Steve. Hey guys. Hello.
6: All right, well, I have to say that the previous caller's uh, frustration is, uh, is pretty warranted, but I want to have a conversation, Rob, because I think there's going to be a bigger price to pay if these guys don't start playing more intelligent hockey in the beginning and the end of the game. Are you ready to role play for 10 seconds? Yep. All right. So I'm going to change your name, Rob. It's Connor. Okay. My name's Mordecai Orr. My friends call me Bobby.
3: Okay.
6: <laughs> hey, Connor, yeah. you got 17 teams that want to pay you $15 million a year. And um, I really want you to sit down and I want you to really think about if you want to stay with this team. Because you are one of the best hockey players in the world. And, you know, in about a year and a half, you're going to have to make a tough decision. You're going to have to decide where you want to take your career. Connor. And if this team keeps losing games in the first minute and a half or period and losing games at the end, in spite of your excellence, well, we're going to have to sit down and make a decision.
2: Well, but that decision isn't two years away, Steve, because he's only going to be a restricted free agent. So anything, any other team offers him can and would be matched by the Edmonton Oilers.
6: Okay. So I guess what I'm trying to say guys is, uh, the previous caller um without yelling the bottom line is um we have we are uh, a superb we have a superb potential here and i don't understand if i mean i'm trying to be humorous here but does cam talbot have sleep apnea like what <laughs> happened in the last two <laughs> minutes of the game anyway if we don't start making uh better choices. I don't know how to articulate this. You guys are the hockey professionals. I'm telling you, there is a very possible chance that Connor's going to look at his agent and go, oh my gosh, you know?
3: Brutal. I'm going to move. Well, let's hope it it doesn't get there, but I mean, I want to to be Connor for a little while longer, okay? Can we just, the rest of the show, I just want to be Connor McDavid for a (laughs) while. Maybe go out afterwards, tell everyone I'm Connor, hang out. I think it'd be cool. Just for a day, 24 hours. That's all I want. I think I could have fun with that.
2: If you're on hold, stay there. We're bringing you in after the 8.30 news. We have post-game reaction from Buffalo as well. Oilers lose 4-3 in overtime. It's Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Terry Peranich Team Broadcast Centre.
1: This is Overtime Open Line. Brought to you by the Canadian Brewhouse. From the Terry Peranich Team Broadcast Centre. Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio. 6.30 Chan. Michael, right circle, gliding as O'Reilly, in front, tug back, one
5: timer, wrist it, save
2: made by Cam Talbot. And 33 seconds into overtime, we'll get a whistle and a face off to Talbot's left. Well, Talbot couldn't stop them all. The Sabers win 4-3 in overtime. That was your save of the game for Armor Insurance. Complete a free quote for a $10 Tim Card at ArmorInsurance.ca. Along with Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Tough one for the Oilers. They fall behind 2-0. They rally to go up 3-2. Evander Kane ties it at 19:31 of the third period. Adam Larson takes a penalty at 19:42. Rasmus Ristolainen scores the winner 57 seconds into overtime. The Oilers goal scorers tonight, Eberle, Lucic, and Dreisaitl McDavid, two assists Kajula, two assists, Ryan Nugent Hopkins had a helper, Sekra had a helper, his 200th NHL point. All right, we have John on the line who's also going to finish the play with us. John, what's going on?
7: How's it going, boys? Doing great Sweet Finishing the play, this sounds awesome
2: Okay, that's all you got. Do you want to talk about anything or just finish (laughs) the play?
7: Well, yeah, I had a couple things to say Just real quick, I was actually wondering what you guys are thinking about uh, our coach's decisions these days overall. Because I, I, I think he's a good coach, Uh, from what I can tell. I'm just you know a hockey fan, uh, average guy. But you know we we knew certain things, we could see certain things and moves that are made. And I know there's been some talk about how you know the how he handled Pouliot coming back after we were on a winning streak and things like that. I'm concerned because many of these little concerns seem to just start to be they start adding up little things, how many games he plays Talbot, wearing him down, Uh, you know, not listening to a lot of experts saying, don't play him so much, he's actually never played a full season like that many games, that kind of thing, you know, it's it's maybe wear and tear and just being overplayed, I I I know he didn't start last game, but that was only one game in a very long time in which he started quite a few, you know, of course, bringing Hendricks back, maybe trying to showcase him, since pretty much the whole league knows that they want to trade him and putting him in bad situations or maybe not situations that he's going to succeed. Just little decisions where it seems like if they went the other way, he'd look like a genius. But when they don't go that way, he does look not, let's just put it this way. Uh, There are decisions that I think some other coaches might not make. And, you know, when he got called out by, you know, the he who shall not be named in Toronto, uh, his so-called friend, that was very interesting. But perhaps his so-called friend, had perhaps a little bit of a point to make. maybe he was trying to send his friend a message, you know, play, use your players more wisely. That's kind of the coach's role. What do you guys think?
3: Well, I, I think that if, if you were in Calgary, you would be fans would question the Calgary coach. If you're in Dallas, you're going to question the Dallas coach. It, it just it's human nature. It's easy for, for us, Reed and I, it's easy for Bob and Jack. It's easy for fans to make the calls after the, the game is over. Because we already know the outcome. We know the outcome of what happens when he puts Hendricks on the ice in, in the last minute of the game. They get scored on. So it's easier for us to, to judge it because we've already seen if it works or if it doesn't. And a lot of media people are the same way. They judge things on thing, after it's over and done with. They don't put themselves on the line beforehand. I think Todd McClellan is a good coach. I really do. I think his track record and his success rate in the National Hockey League and then internationally has proven that he knows what he's doing. Are we always going to agree with what he does? No. Are sometimes the things he does wrong? Yeah. He's, he's human. He's like the rest of us. Uh, Connor McDavid makes mistakes. Sidney Crosby makes mistakes. Uh, Scotty Bowman made mistakes. So there are mistakes are going to be there. I think the coaching staff has done a very good job of owning up. To the mistakes that they have made, and they're still learning. Ken Hitchcock, who's one of the, I think one of the best coaches in the National Hockey League, has talked about the fact that as a coach, you're always learning, and if you're not learning, well then you're failing your players because you think you're better than you are. So Tom Collin's still learning, and some of the things that he's uh, made mistakes on this year are things that he's learned from now, and hopefully make him a better coach.
7: I hear what you're saying. You know, I guess maybe it's a, from a pan, uh, you know, we're all fans, and a fan's perspective is seems like we're making a lot of mistakes that are costing us games. And you know, and the other team, it seems like their mistakes don't cost them the game as much. We make one little mistake, costs us the game. We were we dominate them game. Yeah, John shots. John one mistake costs us the game. John,
2: but I'm going to cut you off there. I mean, it, you're seeing that from an Oilers fans perspective. The Oilers have played 28 games. They've won half and lost half. So the other the other 14 nights, fans are calling in to the team that the Oilers beat post game show. And and saying that the coach did something that handed the Oilers the game, right? I hear you. Okay,
7: hear it, you. we all have our perspective, and I I I, I'm, I I usually think I have a good grasp of ours. I mean, I, obviously, I'm a homer, and I want the Oilers to win. And you know, it is frustrating. We're all very frustrated when they don't beat teams they should beat.
2: Well, absolutely. And I'm, I'm, not, I'm not I'm not I'm not I'm not saying anything wrong with your perspective. I'm I'm just saying you know, it's not. The, the, the Oilers coaching staff isn't the only one that has made mistakes. The, the Oilers fan base isn't the only fan base that feels like, why did our coach do that after you lose a game? Now, the Talbot usage point is a good one. Yeah, absolutely. We knew he would play a lot. Uh, he's playing a tonne. He's often come back a little better after he's had a game off, but those have been few and far between. So absolutely, they they don't have a lot of faith, or they haven't had a lot of faith in Gustafson. Maybe they will now. He's going to play again one of the next two games. If he plays well again, keeps the puck out, then then maybe he starts to play a little more. They're going to, they're going to need both goalies.
3: And one of the things, too, when you talk about coaching, tonight in the game before, so I said this before it happened, Dan Bilesma on the Buffalo Sabres bench. Um, what's his name? Evander Kane takes a dumb penalty, a dumb penalty in, the, in, in that cost uh, cost the, the Buffalo Sabers. And I, I go to Reed and said that guy doesn't deserve another shift. I wouldn't put him out there. The night before he took a dumb penalty, Washington tied it up while he was in the box. Tonight he takes a dumb penalty. The Oilers go ahead while he's in the box. I wouldn't have played him again. Dan Bylsma does he scores the game tying goal with 28 seconds to go in the hockey game so there's some things you think are easy to say the coach does it differently and sometimes they have more success so sometimes we as fans or we as analysts are wrong with our calls
2: all right let's finish the play john you can qualify for the grand prize draw thousand dollars to integra tire auto center visit integra tire to experience service you can trust integra tire experience integrity Drive, settle mcdavid has a step cuts inside drive, settle Uh, We got a goal or no goal there, John? Uh, Let's go. Goal.
3: No. Say no. Say no. Say no. Say no. No goal. Dry settle. McDavid has a step. Cuts inside. Dry settle. One times it wide from the slot.
2: There you go. You're in the grand prize draw. Good stuff, John, with the assist there from uh, Rob Brown. Let's go to uh, Oilers head coach Todd McClellan here. His team losing
8: 4-3 in Buffalo in overtime. Or was it the tying goal or, or, or the penalty that leads to the winning goal or how you kind of assess the finish? Uh, the first period, you know, we're going to look at the end, and, and obviously that's disappointing, but uh, we were very sluggish and slow and, um, you know, behind the eight ball, obviously, in the, in the first period. So the first two goals bother me more than the last two. Um, naturally, the penalty at the end of the game is a senseless one. It's it's one that we have to avoid it. Um you know, there's nothing really dangerous going on there. But um, the six-on-five goal, that happens sometimes. I thought we played it fairly well. They, they put a rebound in off the post. But for me, the issue is the first two. Is there something that you you noticed after one period or more? You'll have to reassess what happened to start the game. No, we were just we were sluggish. They were on their toes. They played their system well. We didn't execute. Um, we found some pace in the second period. We made a few adjustments to the lines and and got a little speed on on the wings which we needed uh, but uh, the pace of the game they dictated early and then i thought the the last two we uh, we performed like uh, like we should have in the first um, but you know, all those things happen
9: what okay. do you suggest when a team pulls the goalie though you still get through it and usually the other
8: team gets an empty netter. Not, not too often a team pulls the goalie and actually scores but it happens no, well we didn't We didn't have the puck to begin with. They won the face-off. They maintained control. We had a couple whacks at it. They uh, they were patient. They got it to the net. And, um, you know, when it goes off the post, nobody knows where it's going, and it's in the net. So, um, you know, it happens. We can we can play with the laws of average if you want, but uh, th- that doesn't matter to me. Was it just a change of pace or a change of look? With Drake Caggiula uh, going alongside well, Milan, the change of look created a change of pace. Um, you know, it was a rather slow first period, not just with that line but with everybody. Our puck movement, our skating, our uh, you know, our tenacity to forecheck. We're supposed to be a quick team, and we looked nowhere near quick uh, in the first. We got to go on in the second and third. You
2: spoke this morning just about the tough schedule you've been on. Do you think that could be a factor? In- the slow start? Well, or?
8: I know when we played against Minnesota the other night, we were tired. Um, I know that Buffalo played in Washington last night, and they were tired and they seemed to manage their way through it, so uh, the schedule by no means affected the Oilers tonight. It should have favored them.
9: It did seem like the team kind of settled into a kind of cruise control after Leon gets you ahead 3-2. to two. Like, you find me, they finally weathered it and it just kind of up.
8: No, I didn't, I didn't think we did. We had a couple more real good chances in, in the offensive zone. Um, I didn't think we sat back. I thought we played and continue to play the same uh, the same type of game. Um, it all comes down to them pulling their goalie and, and executing, and, and we have to live with that. Like that's that's going to happen in the game. It's going to happen every now and then. And uh, it's the next 22 seconds when you take a, a penalty that you don't need to take, and that sets you up for a loss.
2: All right, that's Oilers head coach Todd McClellan. They lose 4-3 in Buffalo to the Sabres and clearly more upset about the start of the game than the end.
3: And should be uh, because the Oilers over the final two periods were were very good and even I know they gave up the goal late in the, the period but they had dominated the third period. They completely shut down Buffalo. Buffalo had nothing going on until the lost faceoff at the very very end but the first period Buffalo was up two nothing could have been up more. As they, they won every race. They won every battle. The Oilers looked slow and sluggish on a night where they shouldn't have. And I think that's what frustrated the coaches, what frustrated Bob and Jack. And it's what frustrated, I'm sure, a lot of the fans tonight is this was a game that you would have expected at the end of the first period. The Oilers would have been leading and trying to knock the will out of the Buffalo Sabres out of them.
2: All right, so four three, the final, the three stars. Rasmus Ristolainen, he got the game winner. Evander Kane had two goals. He's the second star. Connor McDavid, the third star. Our fourth star of the game for Missioner Allen Auctioneering. Check out maauctions.com for industrial and automotive sale dates.
3: I think it's Drake Kajula, I think, and it was it was brought up by by Todd McClellan. They had to change the lines around. They needed more speed. Kajula gave them spark. He he looked good out on the the power play. He looked good on Connor McDavid's line. He had two assists, and I thought he was dangerous every time he was on the ice.
2: All right, we'll go to Gary on the phone line, 780-496-0063. Hello, Gary. Hey, good evening, season's greetings, greetings to you folks, gentlemen again.
9: Thank you. Uh, I'm calling from work, your first time. Uh, I usually call you guys at night. Um, as mentioned earlier by other callers, very frustrating. Uh, a team like this, especially with the injuries they've got, uh, they should have redemption to play against this team uh, after they got beaten bad back in Edmonton there in October. So there should have been fire in their bellies to go out, come out on, uh, on fire. It was cold like the winter here in Edmonton starting out. So uh, playing chase, uh, chase hockey and with parity in the league nowadays, you can be beat every night. You don't come out to play 60 minutes. That's what happens here. Um, the difference, defensive coverage, I personally feel that, that tying goal um, with under a minute left, what, 40 seconds left, if someone would have covered, covered Kane, he would never got a shot. So a lot of the goals that the Oilers have been giving has mis, been blown coverages in front of the net. Prime shots in front, and that's why we are losing all of these games too. And I guess you could move on forward to uh, Philadelphia and see what happens from there then.
3: Yeah, I mean, the, the, one, the one thing, Kane, there were guys in front of the Oilers' net, and the guy that was with Kane was Russell. And Russell, the puck came off the post. And as Todd McClellan said, when the puck hits a post, no one knows where it's going. Hit the post, and it came to Russell. So Russell tried, he had it in his feet, he kicked it up, He's trying to shoot it out as Kane shot it in. It was just a matter of probably maybe Kane being A, a little quicker, B, a little stronger than Russell. It wasn't that Kane wasn't, I mean, wasn't covered. Russell actually had the puck, and Kane knocked it off his stick into the net. So it, it that. I don't blame that one so much on the defenseman. I I think the time and space that O'Reilly had to get the shot away was which was key for the Buffalo Sabres getting that goal. As O'Reilly, he was able to walk in and pick wherever he wanted to put the puck. And when he did that, it created a scoring chance in front and a scoring chance in front when the puck comes off the post is 50-50. And unfortunately for the Oilers, the 50% that time went to the Buffalo Sabres.
2: All right, 4-3 Buffalo wins it. More post-game reaction coming up. If you're on hold, we'll get to you as well. It's Canadian Brew House Overtime Open Line from the Terry Peranich Team Broadcast Centre.
1: Live from the Terry Peranich Team Broadcast Centre, this is Overtime Open Line. Brought to you by the Canadian Brew House on Oilers Radio. 6.30, Chad.
2: All right, tough one for the Oilers. Buffalo ties it in the last minute and then wins it on a power play in overtime. 4-3 is your final. Along with Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins. Thanks for tuning in tonight. We're going to get to Connor McDavid in a second here, but first, Ed on line two. Hi, Ed.
10: Oh, hi there. Hi. Yeah, hi. Um, uh, I I, I got to sort of agree with the, the previous caller talking about uh, Coach McClellan here. He's come in and we put him on the pedestal and saying that uh, he's done this, he's done that. As, as a head coach of a Stanley Cup winning team, he's never been. Uh, secondly, his choices on uh, on some of these these, these players uh, towards the end of the game, I think it's cri- it's been critical. Uh, against Minnesota, for instance, he had Marco Testu out there against Charlie Coyle. There's just there's no comparison. The Testu cannot skate anywhere close to the, to to, my, to Coyle. Same thing with Matt Hedrick out here. Uh, I don't know how you can put that guy out there, uh, give his limited time, and he's minus player again. Um, so I, I really have to question some of the, the his, his use of players in overtime and or in situations that require shootouts, etc.
3: The the game where Letestu was on the ice in overtime, he was on the ice because it was three on three. He yeah. was in his own zone, and he's one of the few guys that can win faceoffs. Well, he, when, that's why he was on the ice.
10: Yeah, but it, it, overtime it's all about skating.
3: Overtime is all about winning the draw. No. If you don't if you don't win the face off you there's, no if you don't win the face off then you don't touch the puck. It's oh 3 on gosh. 3.
10: Well, any anytime you put a test, you're out there in the 3 on 3, I guarantee you you're not going to win that game. He he doesn't skate good enough to to to, to, uh, for, to match the other team's skaters.
3: But then, if you put Nugent Hopkins and McDavid, they don't win faceoffs. I mean, I think eventually McDavid will. He's not there yet. And Nugent Hopkins, it's been 6 years, he can't win faceoffs. So that's what, that was. Why Letestu was on the ice,
10: and, and I and I disagree with uh, Todd's assessment on, the, on this game tonight. He, he says they lost in the first period. Well, the, the reality is he had a chance to win it, and it was his choice of players to put on the ice to, towards the end, which ultimately cost them this game. I mean, I mean that's that's a sort of deflection of responsibility from what I could see uh, on the game, and certainly against Minnesota too. I just, <laughs> just be, you, you're in the NHL just because you win faceoffs. Yeah. It's got to be more to your game than just winning face-offs. It's got to be skating, et cetera. you got to be able to skate with it.
3: Yeah, but if you... And <laughs> the test is not that person. No, no, he's not. If, if the Oilers had centermen that could win face-offs outside of the test, and, and dry saddle's getting better, then okay. they would have had someone else out there. If they're in your on, if you're in your defensive end three-on-three, three and you lose the face-off, you don't see the puck. You well, just you, don't. Well, ultimately,
10: you're going to see the puck. No, you're not. No, no, no team's going to have it for five minutes.
3: No, no, because they'll score before that.
10: Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I, don't, I don't agree with you at all. Well, I mean, winning in the face is the one component of the game. Okay, yes, it, it could, can lead to something, but on the other hand, you've still got to have players that can skate with the other players, and clearly they, they haven't been, that, been those
2: players. All right, thanks, Ed. Appreciate it. Let's go back to Buffalo. Here's Connor McDavid
11: the shock value there given the way you had been playing in the second and third and kind of controlling the game. Yeah, you know, um, you know we did a really good job taking that game over after the first. Started slow, battled back, had the lead and, and weren't really giving up much. They didn't have many chances, um, especially in the third period. So, um, you know, give them credit. They they found a way to get one and get it to overtime and you know, uh, their power play bared, da- bared, bared down on the, on the overtime. How do you feel it start uh, you know, maybe we, um, we just weren't ready to go. Um, you know, I think, uh, we were flat. Um, um, maybe, you know, they were, they are they're battling some injuries, especially on the back end. And, and, uh, maybe we were looking at that too much. So, um, I'll definitely, uh, do need to start better.
1: Can you take positive still from a game like this with the way you guys came back?
11: I mean, yeah, it's nice, um, to come back and, uh, put ourselves in a position to get a point, um. But still we need to find ways to win games like this
9: most times you pull the goalie the odds are the team doesn't score you know this is one of those indications you just couldn't get the puck out they...
11: yeah you know um i don't really know what happened there um you know they they, they made a nice play uh, for a nice one-timer and um you know, buried on the rebound uh, and, you know that's uh, the way it goes sometimes the shorthand break well, it looked like you were going five holes that we were seeing yeah, um, you know, when you're coming in with that speed, you're hoping uh, that the goal is going to back up a little bit, and, and maybe you can beat him with a quick one. Uh, I didn't really get all of it. i um, going to need to bear down on that for sure. Were,
9: were you thinking at the end of the
11: third three ahead time, or did you look at the clock and you went around it? Um, honestly, I didn't really, when I first got the puck, I thought there was no chance I could get there, and then I looked up and, you know, saw three or four seconds, and I you know, thought, might as well take a chance, and, um, you I know, got Got there just uh, a half second too late. Uh, if there's another second, maybe we're talking about a different uh, storyline of the game. So, um, you know, that's the way it goes. It's like you smiled at Andrews there when you got right to the goal crease there, and you know, the clock, and then it was over. Yeah, you just, you uh, just <laughs> made a little joke, and um, he's, he's a good guy. I got to know him a little bit, obviously playing with him last year. So, um,
2: yeah. the guys are gonna try. Alright, that is Connor. McDavid gets two assists tonight, but the Oilers have to settle for a single point. 4-3 overtime loss to Buffalo. They're 14-10-4 on the season. Your advantage trailer rental scoreboard reads like this. Chicago up 3-0 on the Coyotes late in the third. Calgary leading Dallas 2-1 with six minutes left. The Devils hold off the Canucks 3-2. Taylor Hall, big hit on Philip Larson in that game. Larson taken off on a stretcher. The Islanders beat the Rangers 4-2. Fly over the Panthers, 3-2 in overtime. Blues over the Canadians, 3-2 in overtime. The Predators win on home ice, 4-3 against Colorado. And the Red Wings get a 4-3 shootout victory in Winnipeg. Patrick Laine gets his 17th goal of the season in that one, but the Jets have to settle for a single point. All right, if you're on hold, stay there. We are going to get you on. We're going to keep rolling with Canadian Brewhouse overtime open line from the Terry Peranich Team Broadcast Centre. got a break for the 9 o'clock news. Oilers fall 4-3 in overtime to the Sabres. This
3: report brought to you by P.F. Custom Countertops. Breakfast in your old kitchen, dinner in your new.
1: This is Overtime Open Line, brought to you by the Canadian Brew House From the Terry Perenich Team Broadcast Center, Reed Wilkins, on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.
2: All right, if you missed this one tonight, Oilers started poorly. They trailed 2-0 after the first. They got it going in the second period. Eberle and Lucic tied it. Eberle's goal was on the power play. Another power play goal halfway through the third. That one from Dreisaitl, and the Oilers were ahead. Couldn't hold the lead. Kane tied it late. Ristolainen won it on a power play in overtime. Along with Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Rob, good to have you along for the ride.
3: Well, thanks for inviting me.
2: You didn't have much choice. Uh, Greg's on the line. Greg, thanks for holding.
12: Hey, guys. How's it going? Good. Um, yeah, I tuned in late, so I just got a couple questions for you. Um, that was a tough way to lose. I mean, two more seconds on the clock, and maybe it would have been a different game. Um, did, you guys, did anybody bring up the, that penalty at the end of the game or not? I'm just curious because I don't want to beat a dead horse.
3: Uh, no one's brought it up. It, it was a it, penalty. It, Do it, it, you
12: think that little grab was a penalty? It, it was. was. Really? Yeah,
3: it okay. was. It was it, Larson played it wrong what he did he overcommitted and i'm not sure who who the player was it felino i think it was yeah marcus felino he okay. spun off him and all of a sudden a play that should have been just dead in the corner felino's going towards the net and he grabbed his his one arm and, okay, and the, the, other... the referee sees it, it's it's an easy call, and they're gonna call it every time. It just it sucks at the timing of it. But the play, the the penalty wasn't where Larson messed up. Larson messed up by not containing him and allowing him to beat him towards the net, and then he had to give a little tug. So it was okay. it was it was a bad it it was the right call. It was just a bad penalty.
12: And then the other thing is, um, I don't really think um, Edmonton really deserved to win this game. Um, um. Even at the end of the game, when there was that scrum in the corner, I think there was like a minute and thirty left or whatever it was, and there was their balance the in the puck corner. Eichel was wide open in front of that. Nobody had him covered. If that puck would have came out, that would have been, it would have been tied anyway. Um, the other thing is um, about the other caller that was uh, talking about Letestu, uh being on the ice. Um, well, uh, on pe- any real hockey fan knows uh or that knows anything about hockey knows that possession is key on the on the penalty kill. And the Oilers I think played that that uh penalty kill um perfectly. They just got beat by a good shot. So I don't think you can fault uh McClellan for the players he had on the ice. I don't think you can fault the the players that were on the ice. Positionally they were good. They just got beat by a good shot. And so I do like the fact that he had those those players out there, you know, good face off guys out there and and when, when you're in the defensive zone taking a face-off, um, speed isn't always uh, a necessity because it's more about winning the draw, having good defensive players on there that know what to do with the puck when they get the draw. So that, that's just my opinion on that.
3: Yeah, yeah I agree. on the 4-on-3, 4-on-3, I, I think most 4-on-3s, the only way you don't score on a 4-on-3 is if the goaltender robs you. I think you have so much open room. There's not, not much the defenders can do. And on that four and three, I mean, there's nothing that the Oilers could have done to defend that. That was just a world-class shot that uh, I mean, Lane got off and, and Talbot had no chance. The, the once, once they lost the face-off and the Buffalo Sabres had possession, it was just you're you're hoping that Talbot makes a save and is able to hold on, so you can restart and get another face-off. It just it's too bad. It was a, it was a bad ending to a game that started poorly. It was a really good middle 40 minutes. Unfortunately, that doesn't win I, you a lot of hockey. I games. just
12: think Connor McDavid needs to skate a little bit faster, and he could have made it maybe to made it to the net on the I was, at when the he, end of the third. There, I was so. shocked
3: when they because we have the the <laughs> clock on the the TV as they're showing. There's like 4.2 seconds. And he he's standing still at his own blue line. He he actually hesitated as he said when he talked said i didn't think i had enough time i looked up so i may as well try and for him to go from standing still with four seconds to go to all of a sudden getting right in front of the net and 0.5 seconds away from getting a scoring chance i mean there's no one else in the league that can do that nobody has his speed what you're saying is he needs to work on his skating because he could have made it to the net then uh yeah (laughs) or shoot shoot from a little further i yeah i mean he it it is going to be it is going to be fun being an Oilers fan for the next decade, watching this kid grow to be the superstar that he's going to become.
2: Cheers, guys. Have a good night. Thanks, Greg. Appreciate it. 780-496-0063. We have Doug up next. Hello, Doug.
0: Hey, guys. How are you? We're doing great. Good, good. good. Hey, Rob, listen, uh, you played the game uh, you you know better than me, but when I played hockey and coached hockey at a minor league level and whatnot, what I find wasn't so much apparent in tonight's game, but throughout the season, I've filed at times when the Oilers are in trouble in their own zone, is when they're playing this, I don't know what you want to call it, de- defensive zone coverage, there's so many times that I, I get hollering at the TV, that, uh, uh, they've got the puck, and our guy is so close to maybe a stick flank away, and they're kind of standing there, you know, trying to prevent the pass across, or, you know, blocking the lane with the stick, or, or whatever, instead of going to the guy and forcing him to do something with the puck, they're giving that guy I don't know, a second or two or three seconds to, to kind of make a play. And I'm sitting there, go to the guy, force the guy, force the guy to make a play. And, I don't, again, it wasn't so much apparent tonight's game, but have you noticed that type of zone play throughout the year at times?
3: Um, probably, yeah, you have, and I, I think you notice it. And any team at times, they become passive, and what they do is they, they guess on what the player is going to do. I know from experience that if I've got the puck on my stick, I don't want the guy to come at me. I want well, him to that's, stay. That's what I'm getting. Yes. At
0: the, uh, I I notice when we're have the puck in the offensive zone, they, not every team, but the good teams, they're going to force you to do something with it, uh, whether it's the right play or you know you uh, tip pass or uh, make him dump in the corner, whatever it is. You don't give him space and time to to play with it, right? And I just find that that not all the times, but at certain times throughout the the game, we get kind of caught in this zone play, and it uh, it's frustrating to watch
3: that. Yeah, and I I don't know if that is the way that it's being coached or if that's just player mistake. I'm guessing more player mistake on it. Well, I would I think. Know,
0: sometimes I wonder because I see it more and more, and that, that's just that's too many mistakes is what I'm getting at. But uh, uh, one other point, uh, Paul Jarvie, he did not play. I didn't play in the third period at all. I don't think, and I think he.
2: I think he got a couple of shifts, but he yeah, yeah, didn't well, play very much. He
3: only played seven minutes and twenty-one seconds. You're right; he did not play at all. Yeah, so I
0: thought he
2: was out there once. Maybe maybe I'm thinking
3: maybe,
0: about it, but anyway. Yeah. yeah. But I guess what I'm getting at, I mean, he was benched or not benched, but he wasn't dressed for the last what, two or three games. Yeah.
2: Was, mm-hmm.
0: And now tonight, he only plays uh, six, seven minutes, whatever it was. Is it almost time to think about putting him down to get him some more ice time to get him playing yeah, down? That's a
3: great question. The
0: yeah, A and, and get. Get some ice under feet.
3: You know, if, if I'm the GM, I'm sending him to the World Juniors. That's what I'm doing right now. The World Juniors, uh, he gets to play against the best kids in the world his age. He'll be a star on that team. And I know when I played for the Pittsburgh Penguins my rookie year, I was in another lineup. In some games, I didn't play a lot. And in December that year, I got sent to the World Juniors. It was in Moscow, so it, wasn't, <laughs> it was a long way away. Right. But I tell you, I came back from there a different player. Because I, I all of a sudden, had my confidence again. And I was in better shape because I was playing. And
0: then bring him right back up. Yeah, absolutely.
3: Send him away to the World Juniors. Let him play for the two weeks. Let him gain his confidence. Let him have fun. Let him fall in love with the game again. And when he comes back, get him back in the lineup. And at that point, if you don't find a lot of ice time for him, then you can send him to the minors. But to me, the first place I would send him would be to the World Juniors.
0: I heard uh, on the pregame that... um Finland have not asked uh, or his permission as of yet. And I don't know who it was made the comment that they would say, no, you can't have him. But uh, I guess that's two different schools of thought
2: that way, right? So, yeah, you know what? He, he, the, the, he, the handling of Puyo is is a very interesting debate. And, and and I'm glad you brought it up. I, I, I mean, I think they just feel that he he de- he would he develops better to be an NHL player by being in the NHL. I mean, the kid that Oodles of, oodles
0: of talent there's no doubt but yep. it yep. just seems like right now i, I don't know how, how to explain it. not that he's lost out there but he's indecisive he run, he, he rushes what to do type yep of. you're right he,
2: he rushes sometimes too doug i think
3: and that, and that yeah. comes from it when you don't play a lot or you're in and out of the lineup the game seems faster
0: well i, I think you guys nailed it either let him go to the juniors or or, or put him down for a half a dozen games whatever it is. To the a get the sk- get 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 the ice under sk- skates let them get moving let them get playing uh maybe build up a little confidence either at the juniors or the A and uh and then see what it looks like uh I don't know after Chris after the New Year or something like
2: that eh Doug thanks for calling in we appreciate it seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three we got a couple of guys on hold but we want to bring you a guy who I thought had a pretty good game tonight Rob named him our fourth star two assists for Drake cajula
11: been friends in town, but ultimately, personal success doesn't really matter when the team doesn't, uh, you know, come out on top. So uh, sure, there's some positives there, but um, the most important points are the uh, the two points the team gets for winning. Did you think you'd score that goal? I thought, I thought it originally went out, but it squirted free to
9: Everly and their account, figuring the goalie couldn't make the save because you are sitting on top of it. You yeah, get buried.
11: Uh, yeah, I'm not sure. If, um, I mean, it is what it is, whoever scored it. We, you know, the team scored, so um, I had a couple of whacks at it and then uh, got buried from behind into the net, and, um, you know, Evans was fortunate to put it in, and I uh, you know the rest, I think, they made the right call there. There's uh, Obviously, I got pushed in, and, uh, you know, uh, we'll take a goal either way we can.
2: All right, quick comments there from Drake Kajula, who, you know, we've seen ups and downs already in his young career. You're always going to see that. What I like about Kajula is, you know, he appears to have a pretty good shot. I'm not saying an excellent shot, but maybe a bit above average. And... I mean, regardless of size, Rob, he knows where the goals are, are, are scored. Sometimes he might have trouble getting there um, just because of his size and experience. But he, but he knows the closer to that I am, the, more, the better chance I have of helping my team. Well,
3: he's an offensive player that has had success you know, in the NCAA at that size. He, he's not a guy that's going to score from a long range. He's a guy that's going to have to score from about 10 feet around the net. He's got a very good high hockey IQ. That's why when they put him with Connor McDavid today, he could have some success because he understands the game well. If you don't understand the game, you can't play with a star because they see it differently than most people. He understands it, and uh, he's got very good tenacity when he's on the ice. He, He doesn't stop. His size does not hinder him.
2: Oilers lose 4-3 in overtime. Unfortunately, no Japanese Village goal light tonight. They have to score five or more in a game. When they do, we turn the light on on the Oilers page on 630 chedcom You can print up a coupon for a free appy at Japanese Village, three locations in Edmonton, downtown, south side, north side. We have Kumel and Ryan coming up next on the phone lines. It's Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Terry Peranish Team Broadcast Centre. <laughs>
1: Live from the Terry Perenich Team Broadcast Center, this is Overtime Open Line. Brought to you by the Canadian Brew House on Oilers Radio.
2: 630 Chad. The Flames uh, wind up winning tonight, 2-1 over the Dallas Stars. They now have 14 wins, same number of wins as uh, the Edmonton Oilers. They trail the Oilers by a couple points in the standings, though, as the Flames have played more games, but Calgary actually pushes into third in the Pacific Division. Top of the Pacific Division right now. Edmonton with 32. San Jose with 31. Calgary with 30. The thing is there, the Sharks have three games in hand on the Oilers and four on the Flames, so they have the advantage if they win those games in hand, or a couple of them.
3: They do, and San Jose should be there. They're a team that I had in the top three for sure. Anaheim will be there. They're a team that will be in the top three, and now the Calgary Flames and the Edmonton Oilers are going to be pushing the LA Kings for that third spot. Calgary's there right now because they found a goalie, and it's not the goalie that they expected. It's the backup goalie that they brought in, uh, Johnson, that is playing so well that, what's that, four in a row, five in a row he's won? He's playing well, and the Calgary Flames are playing better. Calgary's got a pretty good hockey club, and at the beginning of the season, a lot of their losses can solely be attributed to poor goaltending. All right,
2: we have Ryan on the phone line tonight. Ryan, thanks for holding, man. Go ahead. Hey, I've got uh, comments and two questions, if that's
3: all right. Yeah, for sure. Uh,
6: One, I think that, aside from Connor McDavid, Patty Maroon's been the best roller on the ice for the last three games I don't mind that he's playing on the bottom two lines and yep. then my first question I guess same question regarding some more local hockey in the CCRHL the Gators have just moved up to third place <laughs> they're on a, they're on a roll if you could ask Rob a specific question NHL player we have defense from our team what's it going to get to get Tyler Greenslade to raise the puck from the point, what
3: what does the person have to do to get that kind of call? You know what? It, two, it, two, one of two things: a push-ups. He's got to do push-ups. You got in the dressing room before games, between periods, after games. I would have him do twenty to twenty-five push-ups. And the other one incentive. Tell him every time he raises the puck, he gets a beer in the dressing room after the game. Those two things, and all of a sudden he'll be going bar down.
2: Ryan, what 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 level of hockey is this? Well it's
5: very poor. It's very poor.
2: <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, it's, it. Tell it's, you it's men's league, right? Brian, if you wanna email me inside sports at six thirty chud I can I can cut out that audio and send it to you so you can play it for the, the buddies on your team who maybe might have missed that, okay?
5: Well, you know, I know how to work SoundCloud, but I appreciate
2: that. i going to do that. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah, I can send you the actual file. You can have it play whenever you can turn your computer on. <laughs> All right. I appreciate you guys taking this. Okay. See, see you, Ryan. Thanks a lot for calling. Well, it's good to our final caller tonight with to a little uh, little levity. Uh, obviously, tough. Right? We, we talked to a few frustrated friends tonight. Um, you, you know, we had some... Uh, I, look... I think Todd McClellan is a very good coach. Mm-hmm. I actually think he's an excellent coach. It doesn't mean I don't think that uh, his decisions can be questioned. I mean, you and I question the decision to have Hendricks on the ice. Um, I, I, I wouldn't agree personally with some of the fans who took it to the level that they did. That that pretty much every loss is on McClellan and the and the coaching staff. I think there's some some other things at play. Um, but but I, I think to, to summarize, Rob, the the one thing that concerns me most about the Oilers. And they, you know, they have kind of an average record, 14, 10, and 4. They've won half their games. Usually, if you win half your games by the end of the year, you make the playoffs under this format. We'll see if they can keep it up. First periods and starts. I know they've lost a few games late. Yep. But still, first periods and starts, especially against... Clubs lower down in the standings remains concern number one for me now that we're a third of the way into the season.
3: And this isn't something that's new to the Oilers. This has been with the Oilers for a number of years. They get slow starts and they play down to their opponents. And if you want to be a playoff hockey club, you when you play teams that you're better than or should be better than, you've got to win the majority of those hockey games. And the way you win those games is you take their will of winning away early. You set the tone and show them it's going to be a long, long night, and they're going to have to pay a very, very big price to be able to come out of this game with two points. The others don't do that enough.
2: Oilers lose 4-3 in overtime to the Buffalo Sabres. The Sabres tied it in the last minute, win it on a power play in overtime, a beauty of a shot by Rasmus Ristolainen who gets his first of the year. I, I He was the best player in this game. He played 29 minutes and 58 seconds. Rob, we're back on Thursday. The Oilers will visit the Flyers. It's another early one here in Edmonton, 3.30 in the afternoon for the face-off show. They will drop the puck. At uh, five, Uh, the Boilers had one of their best games of the season last year in Philadelphia. Of course, that doesn't mean anything going into this one. And first 10 minutes, big
3: for me again. Well, to me, it's it's a fun place. It's a fun place to play as an opponent because the the fans are nuts. Uh, It's the big, bad bullies. And you you just like playing teams you don't normally play. You don't play the Flyers very often. I expect a fun game, an exciting game. And the Oilers are going to want to rebound after wasting a point here tonight.
2: I want to thank our studio producer this evening, the one and only Kellen Kennedy. There's a couple other post-game interviews up on the Oilers page on 630Ched.com that we didn't have time to play tonight. This has been Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Terry Peranich Team Broadcast Centre. On behalf of Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins. Stoffer as Oilers now from noon to 2 tomorrow. I'll have inside sports from 6 to 8. Have a great night.
1: 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.
2: Canada may be known for its landscapes and friendly people, but beneath the surface lies a darker side of crime, history, and the paranormal. Since 2017, the award winning Dark Poutine podcast has explored the shadowy corners of the great white north and beyond, delivering chilling tales from a uniquely Canadian perspective.